2: This is The Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on V-CIN.
3: And we begin The Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM Dave Ross here at South Point Casino and Hotel in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Michael Lombardi, welcome back to your show, my friend. He is back home in New Jersey. Uh, good Saturday morning to you, sir. We've got a great program on the docket today, Michael. And we got Carl Johnson. Whenever you get Carl on, you know we're going to have high energy. We'll find out what's on the menu down south as well. Josh Towers is going to join us uh, in hour number two, talk a little Major League Baseball, maybe Juan Soto. I know you've had a lot of thoughts on Juan, as as have I, in the last couple days of what might be happening there. And we'll get his take on Shohei Otani, a conversation you and I had yesterday about MVP versus Cy Young. Uh, Thomas Cable is going to join us as well from the Borgata uh, out there in New Jersey. And, Michael, I can't wait to get – Thomas's thoughts on UFC London, because that fight card is gonna start here. Well, on the on the East Coast, it's gonna start here in about two hours. It's gonna start everywhere in about two hours. But like, are people betting UFC London early on a Saturday morning on the East Coast and certainly the West Coast? I'll be fascinated to get TG's thoughts on that and how the betting markets are going here on a Saturday. But we did want to begin with a conversation, Michael, that you and I had really over the last 48 hours. It's kind of dominated the NFL landscape. And that's Kyler Murray and the extension that we've talked about, of course, keeping him uh, in Arizona potentially through 2028 with that five-year extension. And really how it – does it reset the quarterback market or does it really be a standoff, a standalone, if you will, in Arizona? Because the names on the list – that I think you and I want to try to get to today. We've talked about Omar Jackson. We know that he's looking for a new deal there. But what about guys like Joe, Joe Burrow? What about guys like Justin Herbert, the younger guys that are kind of maybe just one year behind Kyler? Does it reset the market for those players?
4: Well, I think it does, Dave. And good morning to you. Uh, It's always good to be here on a Saturday morning. And uh, are are the Blue Jays still scoring runs? I'm just curious. Are they still – I mean, was that a softball game last night? I wasn't sure. I've never seen a baseball score at 28-5. to You know, did the the, the Boston get a safety at the end of the game? I missed it.
3: You know what's incredible about that, Michael? Because when that was happening and I looked up and somebody said to me, they said, have you ever seen this before? Because it was what? They had 28 runs in the fifth inning. And I – I, I mean, look, I'm old. I don't recount that ever. Now, again, yeah. they, they called off the dogs. I don't know how you do that in baseball, but they really did. But in the fifth inning, they have that many runs, Michael? I've never seen anything like that. I,
4: I, I know to our Nesson audience, I'm sure Neston's ratings went through the roof after the 28 runs in the fifth <laughs> inning. I mean, people changed. They probably started watching the Rockford Files or something else, you know? <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? You know, when I was a kid, we used to play Stratomatic baseball. I played with Danny Reynolds and Michael Sonino, and Reynolds always had the Red Sox. And anytime <laughs> the game got out of hand, and the, you know, we would just fold our tents and go on to the next game. I mean, didn't you think they, it was that little league, you know, we got to get the Dairy Queen tonight. Like, like that's, I wonder if those players were like, can we get the Dairy Queen tonight? Because if the longer we stay here, Dairy Queen's going to close like 28 to five, we'll never get the Dairy Queen tonight. You but know I- look, going back to, to the great, uh, Kyler Murray, you mm-hmm. know, and how this impacts. I mean, there's always ripples. We haven't seen the contract yet. So we'll understand that. I think the significant part of the contract is, and I, and I read what people comment on Twitter, you know, because everybody loves, they just think Kyler Murray's the greatest player uh, of all time, you know, and certainly he's deserving of this contract. The, the fact they did it in year three, mm-hmm. they have two more years. Okay, one of the things that you do as an executive is you have controlling rights of players. The new CBA gave you that. It wasn't that you just you're just being macho and demanding because you own the team or you're in charge. No, these are the rules of engagement. And so you have two more years. And to me, what I have a hard time understanding is why do this early? He has not demonstrated he could stay healthy for two years and play well at the end of the year. Does that mean he won't? No, but I don't want to bet on that. I would rather. I would have easily just said, "Hey Kyler, just play it out. We'll see where we go." You football players play football. Like I'm not falling for your bluff. I'm not falling for the the idea that you're going to hold out. I don't care. Like I don't really care. Like this is the CBA. Your union negotiated with our owners. These are the rules, and I'm going to use the rules to the best advantage to help my team, help our team win. And right. if I cave into you and give you all this money two years before your contract's even remotely ready to become, and I don't know who you are, I really don't know who you are. You're not an elite player. You're not a top 10 quarterback. You have top 10 plays. You're not a top 10 quarterback. I don't know who you are. So how can I justify paying you if I don't know? To me, that's the issue. And, and, and unnaturally, most fans can't look past he's good, pay him. You know? And <laughs> right. so you have to be able to separate that. And all I'm trying to do is be the voice of reason. Like, why would you do that? Like, why Steve Kime would tie up all this money for a player that he owned the rights to for two more years? Well, you could say, well, he got
3: him cheaper. I don't see a cheaper deal here. And that's the thing too. And obviously the same agent uh, that did the deal with Kyler is the agent of Steve Kime, the GM and the agent of Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach. So maybe there's some alignment there. I go back to the Cowboys uh, not too long ago when Ezekiel Elliott jumped the line. Remember the big three and Amari Cooper, they hadn't paid Amari when they got him in the deal from the Raiders. They hadn't paid Dak Prescott at that point either. So Zeke jumped the line, and it threw everything kind of – it upset the whole apple cart there. Then they paid Amari Cooper, and as you can find out now in retrospect, they paid him too much because they couldn't afford to keep him now this year and basically let him walk to Cleveland for you know, a sixth-round pick instead of paying him $20 million. And then they gave Dak the excess money north of $40 million because they hadn't paid him uh, earlier, and Zeke jumped the, 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 the line there. Is this jumping of the line here for Kyler – Going to then say, Justin Herbert, now I want to jump the line. I'm Joe Burrow. I've already been to a Super Bowl in Cincinnati. The Bengals are cheap, notoriously, right? So I don't know that Mike Brown's going to go, yeah, 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 we see what they did in Arizona. Let's go ahead and take care of our guy earlier. Will there be ripple effects, or will the other team say, hey, what they did in Arizona, we don't have to do that here, say in LA with the Chargers or in Cincinnati with the Bengals?
4: Well, I think every club's different when it comes to when they negotiate a contract. I mean, I think that's the one thing. And every club has certain uh, prior history. You know, you're not going to walk into Mike Brown's office of the Cincinnati Bengals and send him ransom letter. Mike Brown laughs at ransom letters. <laughs> you know, Mike Brown is not going to just react. And Joe Burrow's agent probably knows this. So he's not that worried about it. I mean, his, he's going to get his money. I mean, Joe Burrow's going to get paid. And then I think Mike Brown knows he's got to pay him. Now, I don't think that you're going to come in in year three and say, I want to get paid. Mike, Mike Brown understands the collective bargaining agreement, and he uses the rules to his full advantage. It's the same thing with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's going to get paid. There's no doubt. Justin Herbert's got to get paid. He's a great player. He's a top five player. I know who Justin Herbert is. Right. I know who Joe Burrow is. Those are easy guys to pay. I don't know who Kyler Murray is. That's the difference. Don't tell me he's a top 10 quarterback when you throw for 137 yards in a wild card game against the the Rams. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me you're an elite player at the end of the year with the Seattle defense, which ranks 31st in the National Football League, and you can't throw for over 150 yards against them. Don't tell me you're an elite player. I I don't want to hear that. Like, you're not a top 10 quarterback yet, so why would I pay you like one? I have a problem. The part B to this story, David, is simply this. They didn't build their team around this young player when his contract was economically friendly to then ensure himself to have success when he eats all the cake. Mm. That's the biggest issue here. Like they're not a good, young, talented team. They've got three offensive linemen over 30 years old. They've got defensive. J.J. Watt, they're walking around. Hey, we got J.J. Watt.
3: J.J. Watt hasn't been J.J. Watt in two years. He right. hasn't stayed healthy. Right. <laughs> so, like, where's your team? And I, and I look at it, and you and I have kind of looked at the way the betting market goes here for Arizona, and that should tell you something as well, that, you know, nine and a half, if you think this is an 11-win team a year ago, right, made the playoffs, and we saw how embarrassing that game was against the Rams, and now you look at them this year and you go, okay, well, Kyler's back, so he's healthy. You he can get plus money for nine and a half. How about this? Eight and a half at BetMGM. Eight and a half. In a 17-game win season, and not choose that heavily to the over and minus a dollar 15, so they could they could lose two less games, still hit the over, but you've paid Kyler Murray all this money, a king's ransom if you will. Like, what is Vegas telling you how good Arizona is if the if the total is set at eight and a half?
4: Yeah, I, I mean that's the point too, right? Like, I I, I don't think. When I was in the league, I never really looked at the lines. Right. I never understood it. I still don't, you know, I still don't bet. I never have. But I I, I could never understand how they could get, get it so close. I would laugh at certain lines. Simply say, you know, you're, you're favored by four points. And I'm thinking we're going to lose by two touchdowns, you know. So I never <laughs> understood that, right. you know. But I will say this is there's there's everybody has algorithms i have algorithms that i use to power rank teams and he doesn't move the needle like every quarterback has certain value that's attached to him you know and i think he's a really good i think he's a really good play maker not a player mm. he makes certain plays when he escapes and we get caught up in the evaluation of this and we see that beat beat play we see the outside the, oh my god he's great but when you watch him down after down after down and teams that defend him the right way, he doesn't show up like he's an elite player. And that's just fact. That's not, that's not debatable. No. Like that's not Lombard. you know. I, I somebody tweeted you know, you're just a grumpy old man. Well, I am, I, I am old, but I'm not grumpy. <laughs> like I, I'm not grumpy. Like I'm, I'm not trying to be grumpy. Like this is just why, if you say something negative about a player, you become grumpy. Like yeah, this yeah, is an evaluation. Correct. I mean, if you want everybody to love everybody, go watch ESPN. They all love them. Yeah, and Michael, like, that's, they all love them.
3: That's the the world we live in now, right? You can't say anything, quote unquote, that knocks a player because then you're a hater, and that's what people say, which is ridiculous. Hundred and sixty million guaranteed, guaranteed. That money is going to Kyler Murray over the course of this extension, which is fascinating because I think Lamar Jackson. By the way, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray in the MVP market, they're the same, twenty to one. So I look at that and I go, okay, one guy just got paid, the other guy's still waiting to get paid. Who would you trust at twenty to one? I mean, I'm taking a shot with the former MVP, Lamar Jackson, before I'm looking at Kyler Murray and saying at twenty to one this year, he's the guy. Well,
4: at at least Lamar Jackson could see over the offensive lineman. My man, the mayor, he can't see everybody. He needs stilts.
3: <laughs> when we come back, I hope you're awake, Chicago, because, Michael, when we come back, let's go back to my old stomping grounds there in Chicago and talk about the Bears. Could they surprise some people? We'll find out what a surprise would actually mean. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line here on Visa the Sports Betting Network.
0: Check out
3: Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here are today's top horse racing plays from ExpressBet analyst Jeff Siegel, both from Del Mar. Now, in the fifth race, Jeff likes horse number three, handy-dandy, at seven to two in the ninth race jeff Jeff has number two hamwood flyer on top at four to one you can wager in these races and more at first bet the preferred horse racing app of vsin if you sign up today using the code vegas22 you're gonna get a hundred dollars in free bets so go to vsin.com slash horses for details on this exclusive offer for vsin fans that's vsin.com slash horses Back alongside Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line. Reminder later on this hour, we're going to go down to the Bayou and Carl Johnson, figure out what's going on down south. Josh Towers and Thomas Gable in hour number two. But I'm so glad that uh, everybody hopefully in Chicago is up this fine Saturday morning. Michael spent about seven, eight years there in the great Windy City. And it's always about, look, you, you understand this around the landscape of the National Football League. They've been trying to find a quarterback in Chicago for Ever. So I I think last year, when you get Justin Fields, look, you know, Jim McMahon, you you won a Super Bowl with with the punky quarterback out of BYU back in the 80s. Yeah. I don't know if Justin Fields is going to be the guy that takes them to the promised land, but there was high hope when they drafted this kid last year out of Ohio State. Now, he's already on head coach number two, GM number two. And, and I just want to know who is Justin Fields and what do you need to see in year number two? He's 80-1 to one as a long shot to win the MVP to make that huge leap from year one to year two. I'm not even entertaining thoughts of those. What do you want to see out of Fields this year in the maturation process?
4: Well, I, I think like anything, you know, in any business, you, you need to figure out who you are, right? And that's the challenge. Of any quarterback. You know, Bill Parcells would often say this, you know, there's only two or three guys in the league that you can just throw the ball out there and they can play. I mean, you know, a great Chicago story that I wrote about in my new book is that Bill Tobin, the former general manager of the Bears, uh, was getting ready to go to the draft one day, one, one Tuesday morning, and his wife and family were there, and they were having breakfast before he left, and his wife says, you know, please draft Joe Montana, please draft <laughs> Joe Montana. And his wife said, he said, look, we're going to draft Joe Montana if he's there in the third round. Trust me, we'll pick him. Well, Montana's there in the third round. They take Willie McClendon, the running back, out of Georgia. Oh. I don't know what quite happened, but I, But had. but the reason I bring that story up is had Montana gone to Chicago, would he have been Montana? Probably. But the offense fit him so perfectly with Bill Walsh. Hmm. Rhythm, timing, you know, the execution. And so he found the perfect marriage. The system met the player's skill set, right? That's what you want. When I watch Justin Fields, I haven't seen, okay, this is who he is. Like when I watch Lamar Jackson, I say, Lamar needs to be under center more. He needs to run a hard play-action pass scheme. He needs to utilize his footwork, his legs, get him outside the pocket, change his launch points so that he can throw the ball in the outside part of the field with more accurately. He is very poor at throwing the ball in the deep third of the field on the outside. He's very good at throwing in the middle of the field. So what I see that. When I see Baker Mayfield, I see the same thing. I don't have that sense of Justin Fields yet because the offense there was so chaotic. It was so deception-based under the great Matt Nagy. You know, I mean, everything was, let's run 17 reverses to get a half a yard. You know, we're going to trick you. And tricking anybody when you live in Chicago doesn't work. So to me, last year was 10 games for Justin Fields that gave him experience. This year, we will define who he is. And I think ultimately, as the Bears rebuild their team, because I hate to say this to the Chicago audiences, you're not a good team. Yeah, You know, Ryan Pace tore your team down. Matt Nagy didn't develop your team. And so these two new coaches, Eberflus and the new general manager, Poles, he's going to have to rebuild this from the ground floor because you got left really with not. There's no asset that you're sitting on that you're saying, wow, I'm a, I know Ron Quan Smith's a really good player. I had him in my blue and red chip linebackers, right? But tell me who else is great like a uh, Robert Quinn was exceptional last year. Remarkable that he got 18 and a half sacks and he got four thirty some pressures playing from behind. Mm-hmm. He's a blue chip. He did a really good job. But other than those two guys I mentioned on defense, their offensive lines a disaster. They don't have a power back. I love Montgomery, but I think he needs to have another back with him. You know, their left tackles, a free, a fifth-round pick this year. If he starts, Julian Davenport, who really couldn't play in Indianapolis last year, Tevin Jenkins, who they drafted in the second round, are they going to play him? I don't know. And then who's their best skill player, Dave? Who's he throwing to? Well,
3: that's the thing. Where Alan, Robins, Alan Robinson's gone. He's in. He's in L.A. with the Rams now. And, and you look at it and you go, so what are you giving the kid? Like you just talked about at the beginning of the show with Kyler Murray, they haven't built out that roster really to, to help him offensively either. You know, Christian Kirk's gone. Whatever you think of Christian Kirk, and you know Hopkins is going to be out for six weeks. I look at the Bears and I go, what's what's the identity? Like, is it going to be Justin Fields dropping back? They never, back? Is they it never be...
4: had an identity. I mean, they never had one. They were 32nd in the league in third down execution. They were thirty in the league when they got into the red zone. But here's, to me, the, big, the biggest problem with the Bears under the direction of Matt Nagy. They never developed any toughness. Right. The Bears team, and I said this for four years. Remember now, I was not allowed to travel within Cook County. Because I said Trubisky was a joke, right? <laughs> I, I mean, and I was going to get the str- and I had threat. Uh, don't even come near Chicago, right. Marty. You're a moron, right? Okay, great. I'm a moron. I accept it. I'll move on. You know, John, John over at the at, at the West Point, he was he was crying like no one could cry about liability on on Mitchell Trubisky in the MVP ranking. That's how strong it was. <laughs> but the reality here is is there was no toughness that Matt Nagy developed. You could see it from day one. If I were Ryan Poles, if I was Ryan Pace, I would have gone into the office to Nagy and said, Matt, we live in Chicago. It's windy. It's called the Windy City. Right. We have really kind of bad weather starting around the first, of the, you know, starting around. around you know, June. And, yeah. I mean, start, <laughs> let's go Halloween. It could snow, right? Oh, like, yeah. We're going to have to have. Do you realize they never averaged over over." ever averaged over 21st in the league in yards per attempt rushing.
3: Oh boy. Well, then that's Think the thing. About that. Now you they bring had no in, toughness because right, you bring in Eberflus now from Indianapolis as, as the new guy to take over for Nagy. So you go, okay, great, we're going offense to defense. By the way, Nagy was a special teams guy in Kansas City, so really, you know, let's, we don't really know what Nagy ever was. And you're right, it was just trick him. Well, he was the em.
4: offensive coach, but all right. he did was what he did was what most coaches do. And this is one of the complete is they take the playbook that they learned from and then they try to run that playbook. Yeah, that would be like me and you trying to open up, you know taking all of Emerald's recipes offline and saying we're going to open up a, 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 a restaurant and here we say let's start cooking. We'll be broke.
3: <laughs> it's like McDowell's and McDonald's and coming to America. That's exactly what yeah. Maggie tried to do, rip him off. Uh, so if you're even now and you've got this, what we believe to be this great talent in Justin Fields, we'll find out what he's going to be in year two. You lose Cleo Mack from the defensive side of the ball, right? Cleo might not have had maybe his best years are behind him. We'll find out if he's rejuvenated in L.A. with the Chargers. And you look at the long shots here just to make the playoffs. They're plus 350. I mean, plus 350 just to make the playoffs. They're in what we believe might be. That's a a St. Jude's
4: play. I'm just telling you. That's a St. There's no chance that this team, based on where they are right now, is going to be able to muster seven wins based on their bad offensive line, based on defense, based on the new coaching staff. I mean, look, I I mean, I I, I don't – I'm not – negative on Justin Fields. I don't know who he is, but the team around Justin Fields is going to be really hard. And then I know this, from studying Indianapolis and studying Ibraflus, he's not a guy that is going to use scheme and creativity to make up for deficiency. He runs his stuff. He got 33 turnovers last year at Indianapolis. Had they not turned the ball over, you could move the ball up and down the field. Indianapolis was really in a tough spot last year. They wanted to improve on defense, but Iberflus was up for head coaching jobs. Right. They, that, that's, you know, that this has happened before in the league, you know, and so he got one. So they hired Gus Bradley and they hired John Fox. They feel better about what they're doing scheme-wise defensively. Eberflus is going to have to install this scheme, which is predicated based on the talent of the defensive front, right? So, you know, Quinn will excel, but who else is there?
3: You know, who else is going to excel? You mentioned John Fox, and I got to know John uh, back in my Chicago days. And just talking to John, and, you know, he won't come right out and say it, but, Michael, the sense I got is that first year with Mitchell Trubisky because John Fox was there. He didn't want to draft Mitchell Trubisky. That's not the guy he wanted, but he was stuck with him. And he tried to protect him in that year one. He got fired for it. Right, I look at now, it was almost the same situation with Matt Nagy, but they wanted Justin Fields. That was going to be the guy that saved the GM and the head coach. It didn't. It didn't at all. And yeah, They so,
4: wanted him, but they didn't want to play him, though, Dave. Right. I mean, the first thing, that they, they had no plan to play him. Right. Like, every time you draft a player, you have to sit there and say, here's our plan for developing this player. It's no different when, when you hire somebody in your business. here's here's the plan for your ability to develop within this company. Here's the plan. You know, when New England drafted Mac Jones, Belichick had a specific plan in mind. He didn't rely on anybody else but himself to tell Josh McDaniels, to tell my son, to tell everybody else, hey, here's what we're doing.
3: When we come back, let's continue this conversation with the Bears and also kind of extrapolate a little bit more into the NFC North, because I think the division as a whole Maybe you know Green Bay's still the top dog. We understand that, but maybe you look at the Packers closely too, and I wonder if they're set for a little bit of regression as well. Come on back. We'll talk more NFC North right here in the Lombardi Line on Vison, the Sports Betting Network. continue the Lombardi line, right here on Vis and Dave Ross and Michael Lombardi. And Michael, we were talking about the Bears in Chicago uh, before Bears. we had to go to a quick break. And I just, a basic question for you is what's the best case scenario for Matt Eberflus in year number one? When you, I don't know if it's, does it manifest itself? Does it have to be wins, losses? What do you think is the best case scenario, realistic, uh, for, for Matt Eberfluss?
4: You know, I think and I wrote about this for, for a VEASAN this week on VEASAN.com. You can go to it. It's there. And I think all first-year head coaches, especially, you know, ones that have taken over first-time head coaches, they, they have such a sense of urgency to want to try to prove that they've turned the program around, you know. And what really has to matter is stop looking at the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Like the scoreboard's not conducive to where we are right now. We're not a good team. We've inherited a mess. I mean, you know, they don't give away houses in Beverly Hills. Like, nobody inherits a, 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 a Lamborghini. I mean, Barry Switzer <laughs> did, you know, and, and even he destroyed that over time, <laughs> you know, when he took over the Cowboys. But you don't inherit that, right? So, if I'm Iberflus, I have to build confidence without evidence. I've got to be able to develop confidence within my team without the, wins, the scoreboard vindicating me. Joe Gibbs, the great Hall of Fame coach, was 0-5 to start his career. Mm -hmm. He ended the first season 8-8. It was remarkable. Bill Walsh had two seasons of disaster. Bill Parcells was 2-7-1 his first year. He thought he was going to get fired. It's hard. The job's hard. A, you don't really know what you're doing. I mean, Iberflus can sit there and say, I'm prepared to be a head coach. No, you're not. Nobody's prepared for it. You're just never prepared for it. And so you're learning on the job. You've got a team that's not very good. You're trying to be impatient. You're trying to win games. You're trying to restore the fan base. When Really, what you want to do is sell your system and sell the process. You want to be able to sell. If we do things this way, we will win games. It's what Tom Landry talked about when he took over the Dallas Cowboys, an expansion team. You know, he told his wife, he said, look, there's a good chance I'm going to get fired because who turns around an expansion team? But he said, I'm going to build the fundamentals. I'm going to build the foundation the right way. So if when I do get fired, the next guy will have it easier. So he installed, he installed the, you know, installed the flex defense, He installed all the things he wanted to do. And as they got better players, all of a sudden. The thing turned around
3: that gets me excited Michael when you talk about the Flex defense and the old Tom Landry Dallas Cowboys going back to my childhood I hope Matt Eberflus says something defensively maybe not as good a scheme as Tom had with, with the Flex but he's hopefully he's got something to, to bring to the table here for that Bears defense because it does need to be reworked a little bit look this is a six and eleven team that he's inheriting uh, you know new GM obviously he's a new coach new coaching staff there In Chicago. The division feels like it's an intriguing division in the North this year, Michael, because obviously Green Bay is still the team to beat. As long as you got the two time reigning defending MVP in Aaron, they're going to be tough to beat in the Green Bay Packers. But Minnesota, they've got a whole new regime, too. They've got a new GM and a new head coach. Detroit is going on year two. With the new coaching staff there and Dan Campbell. So the Packers are still almost a $2 betting favorite, minus $1.75 here at BetMGM. But look where the Bears are. They're now down with the Lions at 9-1. to No disrespect to my Chicago brethren. If you made me take a long shot out of the 9-1s, to I'd take Detroit before I'd take Chicago. What about you?
4: Well, I definitely would, too, because I think Detroit, at least they're in year two of the Dan Campbell, you know, let's break some kneecaps regime, <laughs> yeah. and I thought they got better on defense. I mean, last year they gave up 467 points defensively. You know, they had a minus 142 in points score to points allowed. Not good, right? Right. And so... That, that was a challenge. But the Bears gave up 4.07 last year. You know, the Bears couldn't score. I mean, if you ask teams who scored more points, the Lions or the Bears, everybody would say, oh, by far the Bears had to. The Lions' offense was no. No, the Bears, the Lions scored more points than the Bears last year. But, you know, they had a chance to win a couple more games. They just didn't close out. I, I think the sleeper team here is Minnesota. And here's why Minnesota can score. Minnesota's offensively last year even though they were 8 and 9 they could score. You know, they averaged they, they scored 425 points for the year. They they were able to move the football with Dalvin Cook and at Jefferson and I think Cousins, you know, Cousins is whatever you want to say about Cousins. Cousins is is better than the, the mayor. Mm-hmm. He's Kyler Murray. I mean, he's better than him. You know, and he makes plays. He doesn't always play his best against the elite competition especially if he gets hit, but if there's any improvement by Ed Donatello on the Minnesota defense, you've got to believe Minnesota's a sleeper team here. Yeah, you I totally know. Agree. And what, what let them down last year, David, was the fact that they couldn't defend the forward pass. They were 24th in defense. You know, they, 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 24th in points allowed. They were 30th in, in, in yards allowed. I mean, they couldn't stop the forward pass, and they couldn't stop teams from running the football on them. They were 29th in the league in yards per attempt against them. If they fix those problems, they have a chance. Because one thing we do know, they can throw the football and they can score. And last year, one thing about Cousins, nobody talks about this. Cousins led the league in the least amount of interceptions.
3: hmm he protected the football very well. You look at the quarterbacks uh, just by odds in this division, okay? Jared Goff is the extreme long shot, 200 to 1 to win MVP. But then I look at Kirk Cousins because, again, we mentioned Justin Fields is 80 to 1. You can understand why Aaron Rodgers, a two time reigning MVP, is 10 to 1 to go three Pete. Kirk is 50 to 1. And I look at Kirk and you look at those numbers. Look at the passer rating, over 103. You look at the yards, over 4,000, 4,200. The completion percentage, over 66%. I mean, those are really good numbers that should not translate, you wouldn't think, into an 8-9 and season. But again, when the defense failed Mike Zimmer, I think that's why he's on the way out. The offense is expected to be even better. So if Kirk plays at that level, I'm with you, Michael. I think this is the surprise team in the division. You know, and we'll get into Aaron Rodgers and the Packers a little bit, too. Kind of if you wanted to take a longer shot, maybe it is Minnesota to play in this division. No disrespect to the Bears and the Lions. They just feel like they're a little bit further away. Well, when I do look at the Packers, because the Vikings do have those pieces that you just mentioned, a big three in Kirk Cousins, in Dalvin Cook, and in Justin Jefferson. What do the Packers have? They've got a really good two-headed monster at running back. And they decided to bring back Aaron Jones, right? You got the kid out of Boston College who's more of a banger. So they've got two legit backs. You've got the great Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. But then the receiving core, Michael, I look at it and I go, what are they doing there? Like it's so interesting to me that the the knock on the Packers in the front office was you never drafted a first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers. They still didn't have haven't done that. They get a second round kid this year for Rodgers. But if he doesn't pan out. Do you look at this receiving core and go, who scares you? Who's, is it just Rodgers that scares you, and then he can make everybody else better?
4: Well, I think that Rodgers scares the hell out of me because even if the receiver's covered, he makes you throw, you know, they catch the ball. You know, the, the great mercenary Sammy Watkins, I think by the time his career is over with, he might have every helmet collected on the team. He's played for everybody, <laughs> right? So he's going to be there. You know, now Sammy's never very good when he's the number one. But, you know, I think ultimately Rodgers makes you better, but it's still challenging. It'll be challenging. You know, they got to count on Christian Watson, the North Dakota kid. They've got to count on him to come through. Right. You know, Randall Cobb, I thought his legs were shot. I know I know that Aaron loves him, but I thought his legs were shot. I, I think this is going to be a real challenge on LaFleur because without without Devontae Adams, who they drafted, what, in the third round? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody cr- criticizes the Packers for not taking first-round receivers. Well, I mean – that franchise has had a lot of success drafting third-round receivers. I mean, (laughs) they found players, you know. So, like, it doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter where we draft them. It matters how they play, right? No question. It matters how they play. So they got to get some of these young players to play. Aaron Jones is still a dynamic runner-receiver. A.J. Dillon's the power back. I I think they'll use Aaron Jones and Dillon on the field at the same time because Jones is such a good receiver, and you get the ball in his hands, and he's in space, he's tough to play. But, you know, they're going to have to. But, look, they were better on defense last year. I thought, you know, two of the players that the Cardinals let go really made a difference in their defense. Rashal R- Douglas, the corner, mm-hmm. he came in and played really well. And, and Campbell, you know, I, I put Campbell in the blue chip category and off the ball linebacker, he played really well. So their defense has been able to make enough plays. If they get Jaya Alexander yeah. back, who I think is a good player, You know, now they have a chance. And Rodgers, we know this, he's not going to turn the ball over. Right. I mean, he's not going to turn the ball over. You know, what, Cousins had, I think, seven interceptions last year. Mm -hmm. You know, and and Rodgers, I mean, he's just always going to protect the football. You know, he's not going to make those mistakes. He had you know, he had seven inter he had four interceptions, they had seven as a team because the great Jordan Love came in and threw three.
3: I, you know, it is fascinating when you look at Rogers' numbers as he wins that second MVP, and again he's ten to one in the betting market. If you think he can go three in a row. We showed you Kirk Cousins' numbers, and they compare favorably with Rogers' numbers. They're they're really close. Now look, higher passer rating almost one twelve to one oh three. But well, look at the touchdowns and the interceptions—very, very close. Kirk threw for more yards. Completion percentage is right there. Like for a fifty-to-one versus a ten-to-one. Well, you know where my money's going. If you made me wager on one of these two quarterbacks, as yeah, the and, two. I,
4: and I would not call that a St. Jude's play. I mean, no. I think
3: that's a smart play. Yes, I, I'm right there with I, you. I'm
4: not saying I think—I don't think it'll hit. Right. But I think there's a chance it could hit. Like I'm saying, there's a small. But to me, you bet Justin Fields for the MVP. Just call St. Jude's at not, uh, the Memphis office and give the money there.
3: Yeah, eighty to one doesn't feel like it's long enough for me for for Justin Fields. I don't know what that number would have to get for me to be interested there. All right, Michael. Hey, why don't we... hey,
4: but before we go, how about our man Jerry West? We got to talk about Jerry West's comments. About the plumbers and the and the carpenters, we got to talk about that when we or maybe after the hour.
3: You got it. We can do that for sure. Carl Johnson's coming up next. We're gonna talk all things college football. Come on back. It's the Lombardi One on Veasan, the Sports Betting Network. Venom MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using the code VEASAN200. Win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money-on wager on any MLB game, and either team simply hits a home run regardless of your bets outcome enjoy baseball like never before with betmgm all season long sign up today with a king of sports books eligible restrictions to apply mlb trademarks used with permission visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions must be 21 years of age or older to wager new customer offer all promotions are subject to qualification eligible requirements rather rewards issued is not withdrawable free bets or site credit free bets expire seven days from issuance please gamble responsibly if you have a problem call 1-800-GAMBLER Promotion offer not available in mississippi nevada or New York. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line right here on Vison. We always love to go down south to bring in Carl Johnson from MGM at Beau Ravage, host of the One More podcast. Carl, good Saturday morning to you, sir. How's everything down south?
1: Hey, what's going on, guys? Beautiful day down here. Sunshiny, the water's flat, uh, just a nice day. Good. It's hot, but it's a nice day. <laughs>
4: what what is flat water what what does that mean? We got no storms coming everything good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, uh, when it's flat out there, you see those guys on those uh, uh, YOLO boards. They're, they're standing on them, and they're paddling. Uh, they can't do that when uh, when there's some waves kicking up in that bay right there.
3: Yeah, we, I grew up I in Virginia it. Beach, so, you know, we didn't get the big ripple effect there, Carl. So, I kind of like that flat water that you're describing down south. Uh, let's get to a little bit of college football, because, gentlemen, I can't believe we're getting oh so close to the beginning of college football. Look, the landscape is changing in the sport. We understand that. Is it going to change in the Big Ten? Because last year, it almost feels like people have forgotten what Jim Harbaugh did at Michigan because the Ohio State is still the prohibited favorite, minus 250, gentlemen, to take back that honor as being the best in the Big Ten. Carl, is that the way it's being bet so far down south?
1: Yeah, you know, when, uh, when I started looking at these two conferences, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, Ohio State, we've got a minus 255, and then drop-off is uh, – you know, you got Michigan it's 7-1. to one. Hmm. Uh, You know, look, uh, <clears throat> my personal opinion is uh, Harbaugh had his best year last year. Uh, I, you know, I think maybe, uh, you know, if he's turned the corner, we're going to find out this year. Uh, so, you know, both of these teams, just Michigan went 12-2 and two last year. I mean, they, they went 12 out of 14 games. Uh, Ohio State wins, I think, 11 out of 13. Uh, so, yeah, this is, is going to be an interesting little division. Um, you know and and for down here, this is probably besides the SEC, uh, I mean these boys play you know these top three or four teams in this conference. they play real football and um, you know it's pretty popular down here. They like to bet it. Yeah, but, no
4: doubt. And I mean this is a big year for Michigan. I mean look he Jim's kind of got it going. Uh, no, change the defensive coordinators really made a difference. I thought in his team last year, and now he's got to change back again. And look, Ohio State returns so many of those young players we saw against Utah, and it's all going to come down to really the quarterbacks, right? How the quarterbacks play in the Big Ten, and I think ultimately last year, you know, they were able to handle Stroud. They they were able to really move the football. Ohio State's defense was the liability last year. And with adding the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma state, I think they feel like they've improved that, which gives them that little bit of an edge.
1: Yeah. You know, and and one of the things I noticed too, I mean, just, just looking at different conferences and I mean, to me, you can tell when a conference makes a, or or when a school makes a decisive decision that they want to compete, you know, they want to get back in the national championship picture. I mean, this Ryan days making 9.5 million a year, (laughs) uh, yeah, I mean, look, that's uh, that's uh, that's pretty big money there. That's a big commitment.
3: Yeah, Carl, what is it about – because you, I thought what you said off the top is intriguing because you're down there in SEC country, right? And I know SEC fans, they look at their conference and say, that's great, Big 12, you got speed, Big 10, you got power, SEC, we got both, right? I think that's the way they kind of look at it. Do they look at Ohio State and say, if you were in our conference – yeah, we'd accept you as one of the big boys, even in the SEC. Have they got that cachet down there from the betting perspective?
1: Yeah, you know, I think what happens, uh, uh, it, Dave, is that you know if you stop and think about, you know, the people that are in these facilities betting these ball games, um, you know, they have history of watching major college football. And you, you know, you, you know, they're all you got to be 21 to get in here. So I, I would say the majority of our people that's in here betting games is probably, you know, uh, mid 30s, early 40s, something mm-hmm. like that. So all of those people remember the old Ohio State Michigan games, even though they're down here, they're in SEC country. They all remember that good football. And so that the history of that division. Is, is very similar to the SEC down here. I mean, they just, the people down here appreciate good football.
3: Hmm. You know, listen. Yeah, get- I mean,
4: and we're going to get good football, too, because it's going to be interesting to see, you know where Notre Dame is and we know some of these programs I think what we lose sight of a little bit is is some of these programs we take the pro approach Carl we think the that you know well they lost a lot of guys well some of these programs have just as good players that play backup we witnessed this in the in the Rose Bowl last year where the backup receivers for Ohio State looked better than the guys that got drafted in the first round so it comes down to, like, Notre Dame should be able to reload. Like, I think in the Southeast Conference, I think Florida has a really talented team with a talented quarterback and a talented coach. They could be on the over total. I think the Kentucky's a really good team down there. And then where is LSU, you know, when mm. they come in with with their new coaching staff and all the new players that they brought in? It's going to be fascinating to see.
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, you know, and it's just uh, right now it just seems like in in each conference that you look at you have two or three teams that are really competing at the highest level and then you have one or two teams that are trying to get to that level and they're pretty close so you know college football to me it's uh, it's more than NFL for whatever reason just my belief is that it's it's you know the 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 I, I'm trying to come up with a word the <laughs> I don't know, the excitement of it just, uh, you know, propels yeah. a team sometime to play against better opponents, yeah.
3: No question about it, Carl. No, I, no doubt. Yeah, and, gentlemen, I, I look at the – when you look at the national championship odds, okay, and we get it that certainly Alabama is still going to be the – even though, you know, they're not the reigning defending. That would be Georgia, right? It still feels like Bama is going to be on some sort of revenge tour. <laughs> it, it, 2.0 here with Nick Saban, everything, that, the consternation with, with Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher – but you know, I want to get your thoughts on Clemson there, Carl. And if there's in the betting market, if people are believing that Dabo and company at twelve to one, are you seeing any interest there, or is it still Bama, Ohio State, Georgia? Obviously, they're the three shortest names on the board.
1: Yeah, no, Clemson's heavily bet here. Uh, you know, I mean, they had a you know they had an off year last year. Of, you know, but that's, look, that's that's going to happen. Uh, you know, Dabo's a fantastic coach, one of the best in the business. Uh, and like I say, the people down here appreciate good football. Clemson has a history of, of being in the conversation every year, it seems like. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, at 12 to 1, uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, you know, and, and on the flip side, you know, I was thinking about Baylor a little bit and, and, and what Dave Aranda has done Uh, you know, in the big 12. I mean, uh, you know, so I I think there's some some interesting things going on in college football right now. Some coaches making some moves. Uh, It's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great year this year.
4: It really is, Carl. And, you know, we got the whole Miami story down there, you know, with Mario Cristobal coming from Oregon, Lanning going out to Oregon. You know, where's Washington's program going to be? I think it's going to be a really fascinating and, – and it's still moving pieces around. And right. I think I urge people really – to spend time, you know, buying our our guide to college football, paying attention to the great Matt Humans and JVT and everybody that does a great job on college football, but more importantly, narrow your focus down to con- one or two conferences. Because I can promise you this: it's you know you could study the 32 teams in the NFL. You can't study 100 teams in college football. There's not enough data out there to be experts. So focus on a conference. Really, that to me is the only way. If you're going to bet, stay in your lane. Don't go outside of it.
3: That's great advice. And very quickly in the last uh, you know, 60 seconds we have here, Carl, very quickly, you mentioned Baylor in the Big 12. They're 7-1 to win the conference. Oklahoma's plus $1.75 here at BetMGM. But I'm with you. I might go a little bit deeper down the board there. I kind of like your Baylor play there. Why do you think they're in play at 7-1? to
1: yeah, you know, I don't know. I can't understand why Texas has made, you know, I know Texas has, has got some player changes and stuff like that. But, you know, they've made a huge jump. I mean, they go, what were they, 5-7 and seven last year? They're, they're betting second in that conference right now at plus 230. Uh, look, I like Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda is going to keep Baylor in games mm-hmm. just with his defense. And if they get some offense, uh, they're going to be tough to beat.
3: Yeah, I couldn't uh, agree more with that. Of course, you got to follow him, Carl Johnson, at Johnson on Twitter, and check out the one more podcast. Uh, Carl, enjoy that flat water very quickly. What do you got on the menu today?
1: Yeah, you know, I've been cooking a little bit at home. i got the grandkids there. We've been eating all kind of weird stuff and playing video games. Uh, Probably do some wings tonight, you know, maybe some hamburger. uh,
3: Wings and hamburger. That sounds like a Saturday night to me, that's for sure. Carl, appreciate it as always, my friend.
1: Take care, guys.
3: Have a good one. All right. When we come back, Michael, I want to get into those comments that you alluded to. Jerry West putting JJ on blast. Come on back. It's the Lombardi One of Easton, the Esports Betting Network.
0: work.